This is the Comic Syllabus Podcast, <laughs> coming at you for a special episode of what we call here the Infinite Unlimited, where we talk about comics that are at art, <laughs> that are on DC Universe Infinite and Marvel Unlimited, and this week, especially, we're going to look at Comixology Unlimited. Yes, Comixology Originals, that if you have an Amazon... Um, uh, Prime account or a Kindle Unlimited account or a Comixology Unlimited account, you've got free access. Did you know that? <laughs> Another perk of buying into the mega machine monster that is Amazon. <laughs> but um, we got some good comics to look at, um, including the Scottober offerings that October brought us, the Scott Snyder written books, including Night of the Ghoul by by uh, Snyder and Francesco Francavilla, and Clear with Snyder and Francis, Francis Manipal. And uh, we, we have demons. We got demons. Is that what it's called? With Snyder and old pal Greg Capullo. Um, we'll also look at the first two issues of All Nighter, which is a, a new series on Comicsology Originals by Chip Zdarsky and Jason Liu um, and others. And then we will glance at, uh, we'll check in with um, the Jeff Lemire and Jock series, Snow Angels, um, as well as maybe look at some of the other stuff that's there at Comixology Originals. Um, so we're doing this thing. We're, we're checking out comics. We are um, bravely venturing um, into the shop and beyond the shop to the place where digital comics are debuting. So thanks for coming along for the ride, and let's get ready and dig deep. All right, friends, uh, <laughs> enrollees in the comic syllabus. Um, the Infinite Unlimited was an idea that I had, and uh, it sometimes gets resurrected here at the podcast to cover the worlds of DC and Marvel Comics through the releases that come out um, six months or three months later on the um, digital apps. And I, I, you know, I wasn't thinking to do that because um, <laughs> because I'm too cheap to buy new comics uh certainly not i certainly am regularly um you know uh, maintaining my poll list um at comic shops um but because i figured that there are many readers out there many of you out there who would just love to hear reviews three months late <laughs> or six months late when they coincided and and the digital offerings on um on you know platforms like marvel unlimited and dc universe infinite are just increasingly robust. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about It's Jeff, you know, by Kelly Thompson and Guru Hiru. Um, and we, we, haven't even, we haven't even checked in on all the stuff that is digital first or digital, <laughs> digital as well, <laughs> such as all the cool milestone stuff, which I have been just loving, loving, loving. Static um, is back. Icon is back. Hardware is back. I should say Icon and Rocket are back. And soon, 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 as recently announced on DC Fandom, my very favorite, uh, Blood Syndicate. Oh, Blood Syndicate just speaks right to my teenage heart. Um, Blood Syndicate is coming back as well. So someday we will check in with Milestone and we'll talk about all these new Marvel Infinity comics and so on. But I wanted to take this moment to check in with Comixology Originals because that's a place where comics are happening as well. Um, and especially make this um, available to anyone who is uh, signed up for the Comic Syllabus newsletter, whether you're a paid supporter or not yet a paid supporter, whether you're a free email sign-up. I just want to encourage you to um, consider supporting this podcast and the comics writing work that we do at the Comic Syllabus. I say we, it's it's just me, basically, Paul. <laughs> but... Um, Help us to enlarge our scope and our and our consistency of production by um, by being a supporter um, once a month for five bucks a month or forty dollars for a year um, gets you into the subscriber only content and lets me know that you're out there you're listening and that this is interesting for you. All right, now uh, Comicsology has been um, you know for years really venturing into. Um, not only you know uh, providing the being the main digital platform for comic books, but in um, in really investing in and um, resourcing creators to be able to do original work. And 
when uh, Scott Snyder signed inked this big deal to write uh, you know a ton of books that would bring collaborators and co-creators into um, part of his rationale as he described in his um, our best jacket substack was that he really believed that um, you know he that we were not cannibalizing here from brick and mortar and print because many collectors would still want to you know get these books out in print but we were at the same time you know moving a you know sort of a an old school um you know uh american comics fandom into the world of digital comics reading that are already occupied by tons and tons and tons of readers who don't usually set foot in comic shops who may occasionally pick up a graphic novel from a bookstore but most often they consume their comics from something like webtoon right or something uh or or you know web comics that are available um or they read manga online you know and there's um i think there's a, a large segment of digital readers that um over the years has grown a, a kind of rift really to be honest um with the um sort of the quote-unquote american mainstream uh, comic shop, LCS, pull list people. Um, and and so I, I think it's a smart um, and, you know, a worthwhile experiment for, for various creators to be looking at what Substack has to offer or to be looking at what Comixology Originals has to offer as a means of really getting comics out into different hands and particularly to people who read comics digitally now i'm no purist um one way or the other i have unfortunately both in fact i just picked up this really cool um graphic novel i think it's by a creator named kelly fernandez if that's right um called manu and the same at the same time that i i got it in the mail um i also realized that i had pre-ordered it digitally um, so definitely double dipping and um I, you'll find that i i wind up double triple quadruple dipping uh my my excuse is that um i'm you know patronizing the arts and uh and certainly i i don't mind um my resources uh, going to these creators and really supporting and letting publishers know that this is the kind of work that we want to see um but what does it mean when when the work actually isn't um you know, bought and paid for specifically when it's just part of a subscription model. Well, there is the delight that I'm at DC Universe Infinite, mainly for the deep archive of, you know, being able to read Legion of Superheroes from the, the, the 80s or something like that. But what I find there, I find out that I get to read, you know, um, next Batman, you know, the same day and date as as people picking it up off the shelves or earlier. And that's just like makes the digital, um, you know, subscription absolute can't miss for me. Um, but what does that mean for the industry as a whole? Are we making we is that is the American comics industry that's used to, you know, uh, staples and, 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 and 22 page comics at the comic book shop? Is it, you know, what do you, what do you call it? Penetrating? Is it is it is it um, making any waves? in that um, huge population of readers of digital comics primarily? I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting question. Um, my daughter and I read, read all kinds of physical comics, as you know. We also really enjoyed, it's Jeff, we also really enjoyed reading Wayne Family Adventures, as, or as my daughter likes to call it, Swiss Family Robinson, on uh, Webtoon, which was the uh, sort of the DC you know, first foray into trying into their partnership with Webtoon to publish these really fun kind of, you know, slice of life in the in Wayne Manor um, over the shoulder of Duke or the signal as he, you know, hangs around with Damien and Alfred and, and the whole Bat family. It's really fun, really fun comics, you know. Um, and so to see these various experiments in digital comics making and um, and publication and to see where those go is just um to me super fascinating and a big part of the pulse of where the medium and the industry is um and so you know having said all that <laughs> 10 minutes of prelude um let's talk about some of the stuff that's coming out on digital uh first stuff on comiXology originals and you know since comiXology started to um to release 
these originals, I, I've, I've sort of dipped in and out. Some things I've, I've really grabbed my attention, really enjoyed them. Other things, you know, ah, I could I could take it or leave it. And um, but I do think that the sort of level of prestige of creators that they're bringing to these projects keeps on sort of ramping up, right? You know, whatever it is that they're offering, whatever deal they're offering to creators, it is at least a space where they get to do some quality creator-owned work to really kind of work out ideas that they may not get to at the big two or to, to you know, bring a certain um, a project that, you know, is in their Rolodex of ideas. And, you know, um, and maybe to start here with, um, with Snow Angels. Um, this started actually a couple of years ago. We're actually now in season two of Snow Angels, which is written by Jeff Lemire and drawn by Jock. And I think that the sort of pedigree of those two creators was, um, I, you know, no no offense to the Frank Barbieri's and, the, you know, just the various other creators. But I think Lemire and Jock was a level of prestige that Comixology Originals that, that you know, sort of was a signal of how Comixology Originals was really trying to 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 publish to produce stuff that um you know anybody would say was on par with what was going on uh, what was coming out from Image or from the Big Two or whatever uh, or from Dark Horse and so um, Lemire and Jock's Snow Angels I've talked about in a previous episode of Comic Syllabus um, was a really cool series I thought that the premise and the setup was um, so very much a, a canny combination of what makes Jeff Lemire's stuff so good and then what Jock's art is able to bring to a story. Uh, namely that, you know, Lemire has a way of, of, of really putting anchors in the intimacy of family bonds and especially the sense of loss and longing that um, comes with uh, family separation. Um, Snow Angels is about a very super isolated family. Uh, I think it's a dad and a brother and a sister who are living in a time of, of you know, really the the world has frozen over and, um, and they are basically surviving all on their own um, in this trench. Um, and as the story has developed over these now two, as they call them, seasons, and the fifth issue of season two um, just out a few weeks ago, um, it's really kind of opened up. The world has gradually opened up. And this is a, a sort of pattern of story that I think you see a lot in Jeff Lemire. It's, it's why he can, the, you know, sort of the creator of Essex County, who, uh, again, banks so much on that sense of, of familial ties and familial loss and longing, can then expand out to these, you know, sci-fi or fantasy or horror worlds because with that uh, emotional anchor, he sort of can take the narrative to these broader speculative questions of what if the world was this or what if the world was that? And so what if this family um, isolated um, and trying to survive actually belonged to a bigger world where... Um, <laughs> where you don't know whether to trust outsiders. And that was a big part of the code of, you know, this, this tight family. Um, now the story is at a point where, and, and in talking about all these titles, I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil too much because I, I think there's a lot of enjoyment that comes in these stories, especially not being, um, you know, Batman or Spider-Man, where you kind of have a lot of the premise already, you know, that allows these creators with these very original properties to take the story to different twists and turns. So I don't want to give too much of the way the premise more. I just want to give a sense of the vibe so that you can feel out whether this is for you and a, and a sense for myself as a reader and critic of, you know, a rough rating of how, how I would grade these, um, these projects. But I think um, for me, uh, Snow Angels really started as an A that, um, I think took great advantage of what Jock can do. Um, these enormous spaces of almost a kind of visual silence, uh, you know, the snow sort of occupying huge amounts of, you know, kind of blanketing everything in a kind of mystery. But as the mystery has, um, has been, you know, more and more is revealed as tension and as conflict have been tied to understanding more about who is this secret group or who, who have they encountered along the way? And, you know, inevitably in a story like this, you find out that there are others. And I won't get it, go into details because I think that's where the surprises are. We're now at a point and actually issue five that we have now from Comixology Originals 
issue five of season two is i think the penultimate issue i think it ends with issue six and this issue ends with a to be concluded we're now really breaking open what the bigger world is and that doesn't answer all the questions but it certainly um you know pays off that all along we've been getting these hints and suggestions of, of a deeper mystery at the same time i feel a little bit like um in this issue and with what's to come there's only going to be so much and and i think my experience with some of lemire's um series uh was just excellent premise intriguing setup and maybe just not enough time to really unpack it to to my full satisfaction i felt that about trillium uh felt it a little bit about royal city which he lemire recently announced on his Substack is is coming back and he acknowledged um feeling like there was more story to tell but that he was sort of cut off by constraints and I, I think Snow Angels has been planned from the outset for the length that it's that it's at these two seasons, uh, roughly you know six issues each. Um, but I feel like the world is just beginning to be peeled back, and not that every story needs to delve deep. I, I think sometimes I get a little lost, and it seems unnecessary for me. I, what I always like about Lemire is is that it always winds up again anchored in the same thing that drew us in initially, in these sort of um, questions of belonging and of 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 you know sticking close and who you are and loss and need and 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 what it is to be yourself and find yourself either um within or apart from uh those those parent figures or or child figures or whatever it's going to come back to those questions i i think and i think that's where the sense of resolution is going to be but i just feel like um the canvas was drawn much larger than the story got to really unpack so you know, my feeling about this issue is very much like conditioned <laughs> at the state that we're in, at the at the step where that the were that we're in, that this is to be concluded. And maybe it will feel different on a reread, but I think on the last three or four issues of Snow Angels, this has gone from an like, you know, a, an A where I was really I was like excited to be excited about a Comixology original series that I was getting for free with my Comixology Unlimited subscription. To I think I'm a little bit more of a of a B minus C plus with it now. Maybe it really really sticks the landing on the last issue, and I feel like there are enormous payoffs, but hard for me to picture that. And so we shall see. Um, that's where I'm at. Do I think Snow Angels is worth a try? If you haven't, heck, if you have the, <laughs> that Comicsology um, Unlimited or that Amazon Prime account that gets you that book, I would I would definitely stack Snow Angels high on on the list of um of the offerings that you'd find there i um but but again i think a lot is going to depend for me on uh, how it wraps up in issue six um which should be out uh i think next month it's been out at a pretty steady and regular pace and one thing i'll have to say for lemire is that i i do know that um lemire tends to write and uh also to prearrange things with artist partners um creator partners that um, things are quite wrapped up before they even start. And so um, even things that have to take a pause, um, such as a sender, you know, for, for various amounts of time, um, it's usually planned. And I think there's some really good, you know, whether it's um, Lemire himself or the work of editors. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a good rhythm to the, he's, he's sort of found a way to find a good rhythm and to have enough advanced lead preparation that uh you know you you really get the storytelling journey as it was meant to be um and that's pretty nice um speaking of consistency <laughs> a more recent release um just last week is the all-nighter and the all-nighter is a series it's the second series um coming from the partnership of writer chip zadarsky and artist jason Liu, um as long as well as some of the other Here's up with the colorist and, and letter as well. Um, Aditya Bidikar is doing the letters in Paris Elaine, I think, the colors. Um, I think this very same team worked together on Afterlift, which uh, was another comicsy, comicsology original. And I think, I think now, actually, it's been collected and maybe printed by Dark Horse, I want to say. Um, and I read Afterlift when it came out, and... I guess I felt, I guess that probably wound up being a B plus for me as well. Um, it, uh, it started off with a super strong and intriguing premise. 
whole car journey <laughs> into the afterlife and, you know, encounters with various um, afterlife or supernatural um, demonology type of uh, uh, characters along the way with, um, you know, a good dose of humor, of sentiment, of, of a little bit of horror, you know, just lots of great genre elements in this story that was a bit of a contemplation of what um, what the afterlife might be and what that says about our lives now. Um, I liked Jason Liu's art. There wasn't anything to, the, and, and that remains true of the all-nighter. I think the style of art is the kind that um, uh, I, I tend to really like reading, even if I don't necessarily love staring at it. And I, and I hope that's not to damn with faint praise. What I think it is is exceptionally um, capable storytelling where I'm actually not um, so lost in the art and and in the stylistics I'm really really engaged in the story um, you know some of my favorite artists live in that zone to me where I think um, and again this is this, this sounds like a, a diss but I really mean it as a as a compliment um, that that they're able to um, sort of brush aside any excess or to make the aesthetics the main thing and and really be in in the storytelling in in a way that really allows you to be engrossed in the story um uh you know some of my favorite work by um well justin greenwood is one of my favorite artists um and i love i, I would say i should say i think uh justin's style is appealing to me i do like to stare at his art um but it but i think the the the, my favorite thing about it is sort of the economy of the storytelling um, of really servicing, you know, a momentum that doesn't slow you down. I would say the same is true of Birthright's artist. Um, I think it's Andre Brisson, maybe, um, who also told, you know, in, 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 the, in the art, um, Joshua Williamson's story in a way that was really gripping and kind of pulled you along and propelled you along. Jason Liu does that for me. Um, and again, it's a, I think it's choosing sometimes what's going to tell the story effectively over how do I really kind of show off what I can do, um, even though, you know, there's really cool cars in Afterlift, which is definitely a lot of showing off what I can do. Um, and what we get now is, uh, is sort of like, you know, the next series from these creators, which is called The All-Nighter. And again, I don't want to give away too much of the story because I think it's in some of the surprises and twists and turns that you can see the creators are having fun. Uh, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of lay out a little bit, I think, of what you might find in the um, in the uh, solicits, <laughs> which don't exist for these. Um, but in, um, in the all-nighter, uh, we basically start in a diner that is... Um, Oh, not only uh, open all night, it's actually only open all night. Um, you know, we get a couple of cops and some folks in the neighborhood coming in and we meet the cast of, you know, who's the, 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 the chef, who's the server. Um, there's a kid who seems to be mature beyond her years and she seems to almost run the joint. And so we, we definitely know something weird is going on. It turns out that this diner is, is only open at nighttime. Uh, and so maybe your suspicions are aroused here. They are, yes, uh, vampires. They're vampires who um, are running the diner and living this sort of cloaked life as vampires because they would rather not be monsters. <laughs> they would not rather be rather not be ostracized by society, that there's a, a mechanism, a force, someone, I think they're called the takers, who if you sort of, you know, move outside the bounds in a similar way to things like fables and stuff like that, if you move outside of the bounds of how you can fit in the mundane human world, they will um, snatch you away. And so here these vampires are kind of eking out a quiet existence running this diner. And, you know, they're experiencing a lot of what I, I think is a, is, is a theme I, I see often in Zdarsky's work, the frustration of feeling that you are meant to be more. And being stuck in situations where, <laughs> like um, Matt Murdock in jail, um, in in current Daredevil, if you're reading that, um, and in in lots of things, I think I think um, you know um, Zdarsky's work right now with uh, Justice League, Last Ride or um, Spider Shadow, you know, different things that Zdarsky's done often seem tied up. Even the Substack series, Public Domain, 
that um, Zdarsky is writing and drawing seems very wrapped up in this thing of you are meant to be more and you have to tangle wrestle with the contradiction of having to tamp down who you really are because there's some societal constraint on you in this case you know you're a vampire but you don't get to vampire you know you don't get to go out and go on the prowl and so on except that one of the um you know one ones who appears 20-ish or so and is really into superhero movies and stuff like that um figures out that one thing they can do out in the middle of night with great you know supernatural powers is beat up criminals <laughs> and thwart crime and throw thwart that that mugging that seems to always happen in comics and movies but you know doesn't really happen that way in real life very much um the the knife wielding you know muggers um that uh so so he takes on a superhero costume and role and identity and then and what we kind of what the world expands out to has you know much to do with them being vampires and others other sort of creatures that exist in the world so we have two issues of this out um it's got that that sort of strong storytelling i was saying that jason lu is quite adept at um chip zdarsky is able to set up stories that um sort of dole out the the twists um and and keep it interesting keep it exciting um zdarsky is becoming in spite of myself in spite of uh what i would have predicted you know six years ago one of one of my favorite writers i i really like um what he does in comics and you know it's it's not tricks up his sleeve it's not sort of alan moore blow your mind it's not grant morrison you know so clever that every page is kind of overfilled with um with sort of like meta superhero cleverness um <laughs> It's just really good storytelling. I feel like Zdarsky has um, good doses of humor, good doses of of hu humanity in characters, and then is able to set up his characters in situations that make you, um, yeah, just make you care. Um, largely hinged on what I was saying before, that sort of crisis of can I be uh, who I really am and what would be the consequences of that? Um, so I do recommend All Nighter. So far we got two issues. I think there's planned to be maybe four, uh, like Afterlift. So let's take a pause, and then we'll come back and talk about Scott Tilber's books. All right. It is November, which means Scott Tilber is over. Thank goodness, because maybe we don't ever have to hear Scott Tilber. <laughs> <laughs> no shade at scott snyder who is a delightful personality and as i mentioned before i am um an avid listener to the lessons that that snyder is giving at uh at our best jacket his Substack, um which is just very fun i mean it's fun because there's a huge crowd it's fun because snyder is a like electric with energy as a teacher he he seems to have drank too much coffee. I don't know, really know how he does the million projects he's got. And, you know, he's taking care of his, his kids. <laughs> he's obviously got a lot going on. Sometimes in the videos of his classes, he looks super disheveled and just in a t-shirt <laughs> studio or something like that. But, you know, you could see his mind firing at um, a million, um, you know, synapses a second to... Uh, to, to sort of piece together some some storytelling um, advice um, and and treats he really truly treats the thousands who are who are listening like like a class um, I, I I think I you know as much as I like Scott Snyder as a personality I've never been a gigantic fan of the work itself to be honest um, there's something that is very Snyder-esque about his stories uh, and sometimes i love it and sometimes it just doesn't quite grab me um some of it is my predilection against horror um so i you know I, I i tried to enjoy witches which had again fantastic art by jock but i just couldn't get into it too much um i think maybe i'm too scared <laughs> and then the batman work the batman work i think the court of vowels was was so exciting it was so cool 
And a lot of that was seeing Greg Capullo sort of pull off this latter day McFarlane um, combined with Jim Apparel, combined with, you know, who knows, just um, some really cool stuff. And other parts of Snyder's Batman work, um, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed. And, and, you know, other parts, not as much. Um, not so much anytime Joker came into the picture, let's say. Um, not as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, Blackest Night. Is that Blackest Night? No, not Blackest Night. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the detective run uh, before. What was that called? That was really good with Jock again as well. Um, so Snyder is hit, and, hit or miss for me as a writer. And so what we're getting is a whole bunch of projects that he has announced and in the way that he does has really talked up on kind of like the podcast circuit and all the comic sites and all that kind of stuff. And what impressed me besides the fact that this one person was writing all these many series um, and, all, and featuring them all on Comixology Originals was really the creative partners that he was bringing aboard. I mean, these are some of the artists that I enjoy reading the most. Um, Greg Capullo, Francis Manipool, um, Francesco Francovia. They're also artists all who have had past long stints with, say, DC or Marvel um, or at Image, but who I can see more recently kind of respecting their own time in a way where if um, they had to deal with an editor sort of you know, breathing down their necks or impatient for their production, um, etc. A deal that wasn't favorable to them, then they would each sort of respect, respectfully, you know, say, find a fill-in artist. Um, what I think this partnership allows or this sort of collaboration with Snyder and, and Best Jacket is for these artists to really feel a sense of ownership and then to be able to work at a pace that um, respects them you know, as creators and isn't as driven by the the um, the deadline. And so it seems like there's been lots of lead time and uh, lots already produced and a pace that that at, at this point, you know, we're just looking at some number one. So who knows? But at this point seems attainable, maybe even finished in many respects. Um, so Greg Capullo is, is on We Have Demons. Um, that came out first in early October. Then uh, Manipul's Clear. And then uh, finally, Franco Villa's Night of the Ghoul. So I'll, t I'll, I'll talk about them in that order. Um, but just to preview, I think We Have Demons for me is a B. Clear to me is an A. And Night of the Ghoul is, believe it or not, also an A for me. And I, but I don't know if I can keep reading it. <laughs> it's, it's got, I, I'll get, I'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so starting off with We Have Demons, um, we have demons. Uh, the cover tells us a lot. It this is the Greg Capullo of of Spawn, really, and um, the story starts out with um, you know sort of a you know interesting father daughter relationship. They go, she goes to visit the neighbors. There's a backstory about her. Uh, winds up that the neighbors who seem uh, oh so friendly are in fact demons, and that what she's inherited is uh, from that father is a a demon hunter role. Um, so Greg Capullo gets to draw all the sort of like, you know, gory, veiny details of um, of these demons. Uh, this this uh, ostensibly kindly couple who, you know, the demon within bursts out of them, replete with horns and 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 fangs and jaws, and everything, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and uh, and Greg Capullo gets to Capullo these characters too, and there's just a quality that um, in the way that Capullo draws eyes and faces and bodies at, at, at angles that I just really enjoy. So you know the art is if you're a Greg Capullo fan, exactly what uh, you're looking for. And I gotta say that that's one of the things that makes I think these series kind of fun. You get the feeling, and and Snyder talks about this often, that he is writing to the gifts and to the sort of like, the the desires, the artistic hopes of his artists. These stories are suited, you know, you know, to his first audience. Snyder knows his first audience is is Capullo, or Manipul, or Francovia, and so I can imagine. Um, his energy and delight in putting these stories together 
and then sending them off to Greg, who reads it and says, yes, this is what I want to draw. And and I think that shows through, like in comics, that um, writing for your artist makes such a difference because there's like an energy to the work. Um, they're, they're not drawing out of drudgery. They're drawing what, what delights them to draw. And in a way that is their artistic voice um, singing uh, more loudly, you know, um, it's great synergy. I think that's working in this issue um, of We Have Demons. And I think Snyder is still able to do the thing that so many Snyder stories do. In fact, all of these, frankly, do that thing. And I think what Snyder enjoys doing is what is my premise that reveals this world that's been hidden under the surface all along? You know, it, it, it kind of is like Batman knows Gotham, but the Court of Owls um, has been there all along. And whatever way that that antagonist or that conflict, um, you know, uh, surfaces, it's going to speak directly to the weaknesses or the, the challenges of the main character, right? And so, you know, if the secret cabal is really about um, running things and, and keeping things buried, then that will directly challenge, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne's uh, uber competence and uber, you know, familiarity and, 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 and sort of like boasts of knowing Gotham inside and out. I don't know why I'm talking about Batman. <laughs> but, uh, but you can see that, that pattern in, in Snyder stories. And it's really, I mean, it's crafty storytelling. It's, it's, it's sort of good craft because, you know, really then uh, the, the protagonist overcoming this whatever sort of secret and unmasking the secret also becomes a self unmasking, you know, it becomes a, a sort of, uh, of uh, uh, an external conflict as well as an internal one. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes to me that clicks in place and also works as the kind of story that I want to dig deeper into. And sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, I think it doesn't quite, um, it's interesting to compare this We Have Demons with Noctera. Um, I, I, I think as artists, I enjoy Snyder's aesthetic. I'm sorry, I enjoy Capullo, Scott, uh, Greg Capullo's aesthetic more than Tony Daniel, um, which is Snyder's artist on Noctera. But something about Noctera I actually am, am liking better than this, uh, than We Have Demons. And I think what it is, if I can try it, if I, if I were to try to put a finger on it, is that um, Noctera and We Have Demons, again, both try to, bo both kind of like uh, are, you know, we follow this lead protagonist un unearthing this big world, in this case, of demons and demon hunting that goes back to time immemorial and this conflict between you know forces of good and, and cosmic forces of, of darkness that manifest in normal human society <laughs> this sounds so very scott snyder um but i think to me what doesn't quite latch on is the aesthetic that capullo brings to the art um has always seemed to make this dark mystical world more palatable but it also seems to me to be colder. I don't know if that makes sense. Something about Noctera, even though Daniels' style to me is one that doesn't quite have the same kind of human warmth that I think Capullo is capable of, seems to me to be just kind of really anchored in a, a set of family relationships that just feels to me more... Hmm. more like um like our characters don't have to be likable they're just they're faithful right and then but something about we have demons the 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 main character to me just feels um not just a little bit unmoored right maybe that the story you know in this old sort of old you know you got to save the cat you got to have your protagonist save the cat you got to sort of see how uh how good they are like a lot of that is borrowed in this story we're supposed to fill in this affection between this daughter and this this father um 
and I don't know, it, it, it hasn't quite, doesn't feel quite earned yet. Um, and maybe it will be as things go on. But I think this first issue left me feeling a little bit cold about that protagonist, about that relationship, about this whole entry into this world. And so uh, that and combined with I, I'm, I'm not super fond of seeing a bunch of gory guts and <laughs> weird monster creatures. I just wasn't sold. I wasn't as sold in this one. Now, to give it a B is actually, it's probably not fair to say I wasn't sold. I'm definitely going to read issue number two. I just, I, I wound up feeling like, I, don't, I, I, I understand this combination of elements. It's like I've, I've drank this mix before. Um, I've had this drink mixed for me before, I think is what I'm trying to say. And flavor is just not quite right yet for me. Um, that combination, I think it's what I was saying. It's, the, it's sort of like something missing in the heart yet still of um of this main character that we haven't quite established yet not ready to go into this world uh quite yet but we'll see we'll see with issue issue two um the a week later (laughs) these are coming you know uh fast and furious we get clear um which is snyder's effort with francis manipul and notably manipul is also um doing the art and colors i think kind of all at once if you've ever watched a video which is great fun of Francis Manipal doing art you know it kind of layers all all together um, I think it's really important and meaningful that the Manipal who you know just provides really cool covers anytime it's a Manipal variant I'm, I'm there for that um, is able to do the sort of like um, soup to nuts art here because the colors I do a lot of the work and the work is a kind of um, neo-noir sci-fi um world where uh you know it's kind of nearish future we have kind of the the urban decay that also comes with the technological um you know uh prevalence of distraction right this is a world where people sort of cope right with the degradation by wearing uh, or or really kind of masking their eyes with um with uh uh i don't know what they are visors or something that allow you to sort of skin the world that you're living in so that you are seeing a version of of the world around you that is whatever you like um and so this is you know of course that that sort of sci-fi trick of really taking something that we can see becoming an imminent reality and just really making it you know to just taking it that one or two notches um further and so people are sort of, um, you know, it, it instantly sets up a world where uh, everybody's perspective or everybody's point of view is questionable. And like good noir, right, that's a great setup for is this, in fact, um, is anything that we witness real or not? You know, who is, uh, who is trustworthy? Uh, what is believable? And, you know, we have a main character who is one of those who sort of refuses the skins and so is really trying to see the truth. And uh, and yet they themselves have to un- search through um, various mysteries, you know, he's sort of detective tapped to, to, to figure out a murder. Uh, somebody shows up in their office, um, somewhat uh, mysterious, somewhat seductive, somewhat closed, <laughs> all those sort of P.I. tropes. Um, and really it sets up for, uh, a, a reveal at the end that is again, typical of these pulpy types of stories, um, that, um, you know, what's, what's, what's the mystery going to be? Um, now to me, a lot of this is what Manipal's art is able to do because the world, uh, the view of the world through these skins and then the view of the world that's unvarnished by, you know, that, that deception, um, and just, I, I mean, I, I'm just a fan of Manipul's art, but there's a, a kind of neon quality to the colors. There's a, um, a, um, like a fantastic kind of, um, Blade Runner-esque, um, but with kind of more vibrant neons that, uh, really makes, that really sings, that, that the art really sings in this book. Um, the characterizations, uh, feel, um, hard hitting. Um, it just looked cool as heck. <laughs> and, and honestly, this is more my type of story. You know, I was a big fan of, um, 
crime and mystery uh, uh, books as a kid. I like it when you take that into the world of sci-fi. And it feels like it's going to, um, you know, uh, do what good noir does, which is make us ask questions about the alienation of our own existences and this feeling of suspicion that we have. And in a, in a world where, um, you know, Facebook is being meta and, and so on and so forth. And I'm always asking, what does it mean that we are um, occluding our view of the actual world around us with these technologies? I find um, this line of, of, you know, fiction to be um, intriguing, intriguing. So, so I like clear a lot. I mean, it's really hard for me to tell. Maybe it's 80% the art. <laughs> and then that, that, um, as, um, as pretty much always Snyder is at least super capable as a storyteller, um, and, and able to, to sort of execute, um, super well. So, you know, we'll see with clear, um, Manipal has drawn amazing things before that I have sort of lost track of the, the value of the story because I'm sort of lost in the art it's kind of the opposite of what i was talking about earlier with jason lou sometimes i'm i'm sort of so bewitched by <laughs> the manipul's art that i i don't even judge well whether the story is is good or not whether or not i care about the story um, but in this case um i think it's doing a great job so i'm a fan of clear i like clear um among these three i, I gotta admit it's probably my favorite um and finally we come to night of the ghoul number one snat scott's Nat, Scott Snyder, and Francesco Francovia. Um, now, I'm a real mark for Francovia. And this in spite of the fact that sometimes, you know, there are, there's a stray panel here or a half-drawn figure over there that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sort of like, huh? And then, and also this, in fact, in spite of the fact that having seen so much Francovia art, you realize that he's, his palette is intentionally quite limited, really. It's like these oranges, these blues, you know, um... But I think it it's uh, but you know Francovia does what does his thing and so you know sort of um, that style employed for you know whatever Spirit or or Black Panther or whatever other kind of property Francovia is on is always interesting and fun to see that mix that combo. But again, what I love about this as a you know, as a Scott Snyder original, as a comicsology original, is it's clearly written for Francovia to do Francovia things. And so Night of the Ghoul is a horror story um, about a, um, a father and son who go into a uh, what appears to be kind of a maybe an old folks home or hospital to visit somebody who is the filmmaker. Um, and he in, in quite a... Um, you know, a, a, a hard late in life, um, you know, kind of burned up flesh kind of state. Um, but a filmmaker who uh, apparently made this lost horror movie from uh, years and years ago called Night of the Ghoul, which is set in World War II and is a group of soldiers kind of marching into Germany and finding out this horrific thing. And at the same time that we see these clips of the movie, and these soldiers finding out this horrific thing, we kind of also see our um, curious interviewers who are talking to this filmmaker finding out that the night of the ghoul is very much not just a film, but a reality that they are now trapped inside. <laughs> and again, you know, as a piece of, of you know, just chewy genre stories, for Francovia to, to Francovia all over, this is just like nothing serves up the best of what he does. That sort of air of classic mystery and horror, uh, you know, nothing could serve it up better than this. It's it's just written for these strengths. Um, the is this good scary story or not good scary story? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't really I don't really um, hang out in horror enough as a genre. Um, I, I find it somewhat creepy, um, I, but uh, will it truly scare me and give me nightmares? I, I don't think so yet. Um, maybe that's one of the things about Francovia's style is that it, um, you know, it's really in the insinuation and not in the sort of jump scare. Um, and so, you know, I, as, as a kind of like <laughs> maybe harmless um, horror 
that I can actually read. I think I, I like it, um, but we'll see if it actually gets anywhere that's so disturbing. Uh, there were parts of Witches that were so disturbing. I was like, I don't really know that I can really, really swallow this. And, uh, and maybe this will get there too. Um, but for now, it really is a showcase for Francovia and some of the strengths. And again, it follows that Snyderian, Snyder, Snyderian pattern of sort of descending deeper and deeper. Um, as good horror often does, as good noir often does, as good demonology, cosmology often does, descending deeper and deeper into these layers of a, a big wide world. Um, and sometimes when Snyder does that, it's it's awesome. And sometimes it just doesn't sort of land for me. And so far, I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, I, again, I, I'd give this one an A minus, Night of the Ghoul. I think clear is an A for me. And I think... Um, uh, we have demons is is maybe a B with with potential with potential. Um, these all got potential, but we'll really see how it is at issue three and issue four with each of these. And I would be happy to check back in. Listen, if uh, this hour of rambling about Comicsology Originals is is working for you, is doing something for you, please let me know. I'd love to get some feedback. Um, I'm sort of throwing a lot of things against the wall here at Comic Syllabus and and trying to see what sticks. Um, I have some stats that help <laughs> in terms of who's listening and so on or how many are listening, but it would, um, but actually your, your feedback would mean the world to me. I just would love to, you know, a lot of this is for me, but uh, it, it's also meant to be for you, um, a dialogue and a conversation. So um, let me know what you'd like to hear um, or let me know if, you know, Infinite Unlimited and having somebody offer their take on, um, you know, these digital comics is something that I should keep investing more into. Uh, thanks so much for listening and um, being here at the syllabus. Take care. Let's keep reading.